Hey everybody, welcome to It Never Rains on this podcast. I'm Hithloday, I'm the managing editor for Addicted to Quack. It's a website. Joining me this week is one of the great ATQ writers, Badwater. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Still recovering from having the audacity of you know, going out and doing some dry camping uh, last week. It's been a while since I've done any camping without uh, electrical or water availability. Uh so that was interesting, but uh, uh, well, <laughs> what's that? I'm glad you survived. Uh, <laughs> every time I talk to you, you complain about something and then you come right back to life. Cause we're talking about Oregon sports. Uh, I, on the other hand, uh, uh, finally took a week off. I, uh, I, I didn't publish an article for, I think the first time since January, I went out and into the great outdoors myself. Um, uh, I got kind of wet, like I, I went kayaking, um, and, uh, splashed around a bit, um, <laughs> uh, like water off the, uh, duck's back. That's, that's me anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. so we're going to, uh, talk about all the basketball previews that you've been writing. Uh, you've been, uh, pretty busy, um, getting through all, all these, uh, uh, men's and women's basketball previews. And then, uh, Oregon decided they were moving to the big 10. So, uh, you wrote up a, an entire preview of all the big 10, uh, women's basketball teams. We'll talk about that too, uh, uh, at the, in the third segment of the podcast, but let's start out with, uh, some of these, um, men's basketball teams, uh, the, in the pac 12, although maybe not in the pac 12 for very long. Um, let's see, uh, 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 last week you wrote about, uh, wazoo men's basketball. Uh, uh, what'd you learn? Um, uh, let's see. Uh, uh, most important fact is Ernie Kent still around for, for Wazoo. <laughs> no. And Washington state is got to be much happier for it. Uh, yeah. It seems good. like everybody gets happier when Ernie Kent leaves <laughs> as a coach. Anyway, I liked him as a player. In fact, I think you wrote an article about, uh, the time. Yeah. The Ernie Kent as a player. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, really in, in all fairness to Ernie Kent, um, he did do his job in kind of springboarding, uh, Oregon men's basketball, uh, you know, 20 years ago, 22 Mm. years ago. Um, but that was a couple of decades ago. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like it didn't seem like there was much of a springboard for Wazoo. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, not at all. Um, Wazoo's coaches, Kylie Smith, though, and considering what Washington State has for talent, uh, the fact that he's uh, been able to um, get into the NIT the past couple of seasons is is certainly noteworthy. And and um, last season. Um, Washington State uh, uh, managed to get in the second round of the Pac-12 tournament. Um, uh, they um, they got past the first round in the NIT, but they were uh, yeah defeated by an unseated Eastern Washington team, mm-hmm. and so they're they're on a positive trajectory, and they they have to. Uh, feel good about that uh, after and during the Ernie Kent years of badness. I I mean, you're right. It's something, Um, you know, they get out out of the cellar. Although I sort of think that's, you know, 
It's sort of because like Cal fell into the cellar, you know, like the team that they beat (laughs) in the Pac-12 tournament was number 12 Cal that won like three games, you know, like, I I mean, I I think that you're probably right that Wazoo is in fact a, you know, a solid middle of the pack team and that that's not like an illusion, but like, man, the, you know, the pile of corpses that they're standing on are kind of corpses, you know, like, uh, uh, you yeah, know and mean, they like... and the um, they have problems when it comes to the you know the upper echelon of um, Pac-12 play. Well, sure, but and, but I mean, like even considering the bottom echelon that they're playing against, which is like half the time, like they're still they're still shooting not just like sub fifty percent from the floor, they're shooting like forty two percent from the floor, which is like that's not a scary basketball team, right? No. No, it's it's not. Their um their team stats don't jump out. And um to make matters uh, I don't know if this is necessarily to make matters worse. Um they lose a lot of their starters coming into this coming season. And so they're uh they have a, a high degree of turnover and it's going to be uh, interesting to see what uh, Kylie Smith uh, again does with uh, the uh, 23-24 team. Well, you know, it's I think sort of unquestionable. Their best two players are uh, TJ Bamba and Muhammad Gay. They're losing both of those guys, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who else are they losing? Um, they're losing TJ Rodman mm-hmm. uh, as well. Uh, he started in 30 or 31 games last season and got close to double digit points per game. Um, you know, he was uh, relatively solid from the field, shooting just a tad over 48% and, you know, almost 43% at threes. So, you know, he, he, he was something uh, of a factor uh, offensively for Washington. And in fact, all, all three of these guys uh, were factors. And so it's going to be Smith's job to, to find players to plug into the, the kind of pro- productivity that they provided last season. Uh, what about Powell, uh, who I think was the third leading scorer behind uh, Gay and Bamba? Yeah, he was, uh, also a double digit scorer and, um, you know, shot well from the field. Are they losing uh, him too? Yeah. Yeah. He started uh, all of the games. <clears throat> Excuse me. He was the, the only starter that started every game. Uh, so last it's like season. they're basically losing everybody who scored a point for they're, they're losing <laughs> That's what you're saying. Yeah. yeah exactly. Like, so this looks, I mean, man, this looks like the total rebuild, you know, like they, they, like, okay. So they, they, they fought and clawed and struggled to build up to be a middle of the pack team. And now they've lost all their players and they're going to be super young is what you're telling me. Yeah. Yeah. Super young and uh, relying on the transfer portal um, for some, you know, senior depth and, and that kind of thing. It looks like the only like starters, they had one guy, Gabe Mullins, who, who started a few games last year, who comes back. Yeah. Um, and another guy who's like an actual starter, uh, Andre uh, Jakimovsky, um, who's, you know, their, their senior forward, they'll probably lose him at the end of this year. Um, right. 
that's it. You know, like everybody else, you know, so, you know, Jakimovsky's pretty much it in terms of like continuity from last year. Everybody else is going to be either like a bench player who basically didn't play last year. Like I'm looking at like the distribution of play and basically they didn't play their bench, um, which like given their talent level, there's probably a reason for that. Um, yeah. And, and you know, so it's Jakimovsky, bench players who didn't play, uh, freshmen, like a ton of freshmen, like a, they they brought in like what five freshmen, right? Yep. Um, yeah, and then some transfers. Uh, right. Uh, what and about the, the the transfers are kind of a a mixed bag. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you you've got a um a transfer from Kansas, the uh, uh, Joseph Yesifu, who um uh really wasn't a, a great shooter and it, he he was basically a, a bench player played a, mm-hmm. a bench role and he's a double transfer right like yeah he yeah. he he first transferred from like a a, a Missouri Valley school to mm-hmm. Kansas and now he's transferring again to Wazoo right yeah and um, he's a fifth year. He mm-hmm. brings some uh, some experience, you know, and he he's done some playing, and um, you know might be able to uh, really you know offer something to Washington State, you know, beyond being relegated to you know seventh or uh, eighth player off the bench. So, I mean, like he's instantly got more experience than the than than the yeah, freshmen and the bench players from last year. You know, like it, yeah, exactly. I, I wouldn't it, doubt it that he'd come right in and be a starter. Like, uh, you know, he doesn't have a ton, you know, a ton of experience. And, and frankly, that you know, he transferred into Kansas, and then Kansas basically didn't want him. Doesn't speak super highly of him, but like, I mean, he ain't a freshman or a bench player who couldn't you know make it to the floor for Wazoo. So yeah. He's probably going to be a starter. Right. Well, he, even at Kansas, he played almost, he averaged almost 13 minutes a game. So, yeah. so you know, he's at, I mean, Kansas uh, always has been, always will be a powerhouse. So he's, he's, he has some real experience against uh, good teams. And, sure. yeah, I'm, I'm sure that Wazoo will benefit from, that experience and and what he knows so that's joseph yasufu um they also got uh uh isaac jones um I, I, isaac jones from idaho mm-hmm. um he it- he at at idaho he did have uh some pretty decent stats but it's idaho right exactly <laughs> And so, he, he's a young player too, so they they have him for a bunch. Of, he was like the the big sky newcomer of the year, so like they have yes. him for a while. Um, yeah, and he he certainly has some potential. Yeah, yeah. He, six nine got, forward. He, uh, yeah, he's got great height. So yeah, 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 kind of a a perfect forward player, and um, and Wazoo is is going to need that kind of forward that kind of height and you know they'll uh, also need him to step up his game um but they need that from everybody 
That's and, not saying much. And then they got two more transfers, but like we don't have any stats for them. Uh, Jalen Wells from Sonoma State, who's another tall forward, and then um, and, and and then I think a guy from an Australian guy, Oscar Clough, um, right? Uh, who, who comes to him by way of Cochise College? Uh, I think is a, a JUCO. Um, yeah. And I was like, we never really seen him play. Um, and it's like, you know, that's the position that, you know, Wazoo is in is like they lost all their players from last year. You know, their bench guys didn't play They're You know, they brought in freshmen and they're not like you know, they ain't five star freshmen because it's Wazoo. Uh, so, you know, they're basically starting over from scratch. They got two, you know, transfers who have some, you know, OK, that, you know, the, the, the you know, the y- Yusufu and uh, and uh uh, uh, Jones, Isaac Jones, uh, you know, pl- plus the one returning starter from last year, Jakimovsky. So that's three guys. And then it's sort of like, I don't know how they, f- how they round out the, the, you know, the, the five starters, you know, like they have two other transfers, Wells and Cluffs, but like, who knows, you know, they have bench players who knows they have freshmen who knows just like, it's really difficult for me not to predict, that they're, you know, going to take a step back from being, you know, one of those, you know, middle thirds while they, you know, rebuild from all those personnel losses, you know, isn't that, is that your conclusion too? Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's, there's too much in the way of unknowns, uh, uh about that with, yeah. uh, you know, with, <clears throat> excuse me, with Jones and Sufu, uh, we've got, we have, uh, kind of an audit trail of statistics and we know something about them. Uh, you can't find any stats on a tiny college like uh, Soma, Sonoma state mm. or, uh, uh, or Cochise college. Uh, there's just yeah. nothing out there. So it's totally an unknown. Of course, uh, like you say, freshmen are unknown. Um, you know, uh, we're going to, we and the Cougars going to learn a lot in the non-conference schedule about you know, who they've got and um, which direction that they go. Well, I mean, but I it's, think it's, it's it's really hard to not project this team as uh, again being maybe in the the bottom third of the Pac-12. I mean, I think you're right about Coach Smith. Like, you know, this was what year last year was year five, or this year is year five. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, and like, yeah, he got him out of the cellar, and you know, into the middle third. And yeah, it was sort of you know, it was a senior laden team, you know, last year. But like, he built that. You know, like they were seniors that he built. You know, into into that, uh, you know, spot. So like, you know, I don't think he's the wrong coach for them. It's just like this is the nature of you know of recruiting and roster management at a program like Wazoo is that like, okay, you know, you built yourself up your senior team, then they all left and like, this is the reset button year, you know, like you just, okay, you know, you got to kind of start over here and like, you're not starting over with, with, you know, five star and, and sure, sure, 
surefire transfers. You're starting over with like, okay, you know, we got to take a bunch of freshmen and a bunch of sort of unknowns and, and try to, you know, build something up. And this probably isn't their year. It's pro- There's going to be a filtration process that has to happen for probably a year or more, you know, before they get back up to being a middle of the pack, you know, team again. And then we'll, you know, we'll have to see how they, you know, what they look like in like 2025, you know. And at that well, point, you know, we're not going to care about them. So. <laughs> yeah, and and that's the that's the added hurdle yeah. is that Wazoo has absolutely no idea where they're playing yeah, next year, and so yeah, how do you that's, sell that's going to have you sell this program to a recruit right? right. Yeah, and and tough. how do you hold on to a good player? Yeah. That's yeah, that's exactly. not a fifth year. If they do get yeah, if one of these guys sparks and it turns out that guy's really good, like the transfer portal exists. Yeah. 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 So uh Washington Washington State has a lot of challenges. It's true. All right. Uh, the other men's basketball program that you've written about recently uh, is Stanford. Um uh what'd you learn about them? Well, um with them I learned that it, the the biggest thing that was curious to me was that their uh, stats on paper, um, you know, team stats uh, especially didn't really reflect their their record from last year. Last year they went fourteen and nineteen, mm-hmm. um, and were tenth in the the Pac twelve, but. You know, if you were to look at their team stats, and I, I did a table on this in um, in the article, uh, it would be kind of surprising to uh, come away with uh, the idea that that they placed so low in the Pac-12. Like statistically vert compared to their opponents, like in, in like across the board, I'm looking at this table right now, like the, you know, in their, they're either basically tied or a little bit ahead, uh, in every statistical category in shooting from the floor, in three pointers, in free throws, rebounds, assists, turnovers, mm-hmm. blocks, you know, points per game. It's just like, how did this team, you know, how did this team have a losing record and finish 10th in the Pac-12? Like statistically, you know, this team's, you know, it should be more like a 50-50 or even like slightly above average team. And instead, there it's a losing program and, and not just losing, but like way, you know, in the cellar of the Pac-12. So like, huh? Right. Yeah, exactly. And in an overview of their final scores, um, I noticed that when they won games, they won um, with a, a higher a point difference than when they lost games. And uh, Meaning also, when they win games, they blow them out, and when they yeah, lose games, they're close it, losses. Yeah, 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 more so. Yeah, and um, that plus their. You know, I kind of wonder. It kind of sounds the, like they had a weak non-conference. Was that the case? Did they just schedule yeah. really poorly at a conference? Yeah. 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 And um, then uh, when you when you're not shooting as well on free throws, uh, that's to me that's you know, when you're not shooting as well as the opponents yeah, on gotta free throws. Got to shoot from the charity, that's, right, that's, man. That's kind of uh, indicative of to me of how they lost 
the the close games, they didn't have uh, free throw opportunities. Yeah. So, you know, they were having to. Yeah. If you're to, if you're in a close game, like that's what makes the difference is shooting like eighty percent plus from the charity stripe, and instead they're shooting below seventy percent, which like that's not going to do it in close games. Right, and if you're behind and having to foul the other team, and yeah. they're laying it on you, well. You know, yeah. I mean, how many times have we seen the Ducks lose yeah. uh, close games uh, for lack of free throws? Mm. And it, it it happens to everybody at some point. But um, my suspicion is based on the stats that, uh, that that was a factor with Stanford last season. Um, they did they did pretty well in the uh, Pac-12 tournament last year. They they upset number seven Utah in the first round, but you know, I, they're, they're not going to beat Arizona. So, yeah. so your, your season gets to end. Um, so the, in terms of their personnel, uh, they returned their leading scorer, Spencer Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, they return, uh, 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 Brandon angel, uh, who's their third leading scorer and they return their, you know, their giant Maxime Renaud, um, uh-huh. who's like seven one and, you know, is there a dude who got all their rebounds, right? Although I don't think he scores that much, right? Um, uh, Reynard. Yeah. Um, he, he scores. Okay. And, all right. uh, you know, nearly nine points a game, which, uh, you know, for, um, a guy his size, I, I suppose. I know, but he's not like he's a forward. He's not like a post up center. You know, like right. he's not a guy who's who's good for like fifteen points a game from yeah. posting up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just he's, to he's not going to overwhelm anybody under the basket. Yeah, because he's he's more he's like a skinnier. Yeah, okay. Um, uh, but they you know beyond those three guys, you know, they lose like a huge amount. Right. Like a, a ton of guys, you know, they, they, they lose like nine of their dudes off of their, their, their total roster. Right. Yeah. Um, they lose, um, let's see. Well, they're, they're not losing that many. Um, Oh no, I'm, I'm sorry. I misread it. They return nine to their, you know, sorry. Yes, I misread yes. that line. They, they return nine, but a, a good portion, I mean, the, the starters and yeah, the uh, sixth and seventh person uh, really played the vast majority uh, of mm-hmm. the minutes. Yeah, their their bench. You know, when you're only paying playing two, three, four minutes a game, um, you're just not really a factor. And so, so Stanford, Stanford. So they bring back their is, bench, but their bench didn't play. So who cares? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So the um yeah the the task is to yeah how do you replace uh, Ingram and O'Connell? Uh, who are Ingram and O'Connell? Um, Harrison uh, Ingram was their second leading scorer, um, and uh, he he started thirty two of. Uh, 33 games. He was mm-hmm. uh, really their, their main starter. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, was responsible for a lot of productivity. Um, Michael O'Connell was another um, main starter. He started 20 of 33 games. 
and he's their main um, guard, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like, yeah, those are, those are big shoes to fill for them. You know, like those are. Right. And, and both of those guys uh, were responsible for the, the vast majority of assists from yeah. last year's Stanford team. So they, uh, they need a, a point guard to step up for sure. Yeah. Um, so looks like they brought in three freshmen who are like pretty highly ranked, you know, rated freshmen, right? Uh, yep. they've got a uh, McDonald's all American uh, Andre Stryakovich. Um, they brought in uh Canaan Carlisle, um, who's a, you know, consensus four star, uh, you know, top 60 recruit. Um, they brought in uh Cameron Grant. Um, uh, actually, I don't know. We don't know anything, but Cameron Grant. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I, uh, I suspect that that Grant's tall and academically prowessed. Yeah, very um, good. but the other two, uh, Carlisle and uh, uh, Stojakovic, are are both, um, you know, they're solid recruits. Yeah, and so and. I think the Cardinal is going to be looking at in inserting them right away. And, and then they, them. and then they flipped from Harvard. Uh, they flipped Aiden Kamen. Um, who's like a six ten uh, uh, forward slash center. Um, uh, yeah. So like, mm-hmm. you know, some, some fairly highly rated, you know, freshmen, but like, um, you know, do you really think that that Stanford is going to plug in freshmen to for those like big, you know, those big shoes to fill that they've got in their starting lineup? Do you really think they're plugging in freshmen from it? Well, um, they'll plug in um, whoever uh, whoever performs, and certainly the uh, the two higher rated freshmen have a shot at starting opportunities and um, so we'll see what happens uh, you know unfortunately as I said in my article you know, Stanford uh, doesn't have the same kind of uh, transfer portal availability that other schools have so that kind of forces them to play whatever hand they have I mean they got one transfer and frankly I think it's the guy they're gonna play you know as their replacement you know uh, a guard is Jared yeah. Bynum from Providence. Exactly. Who's a, you know, is a grad student. Like, I don't think he's very good, you know, like his numbers are terrible. Um, but like he's a fifth year starting, I think point guard. Right. Um, yes. uh, you know, that's just Stanford style, man. They, they, you know, he's an, he's an older dude who's just a hard worker and, you know, been around, you know, for a while and his numbers are modest. So like, yeah, that dude's got Stanford written all over him. So yeah, that's my prediction. They'll go with the three returning starters, Bynum, the transfer point guard to be their captain, you know, and then like one of the talented freshmen who's tall, uh, you know, you know, probably, I don't know, probably Stojakovic, uh, or maybe Carlisle. Um, and, and, you know, and then they, they won't play the bench players, you know, cause, cause they weren't playing them last year and then that'll be it, you know, and, and they'll finish 10th again, you know, because I, I don't really think that, uh, that, uh, 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 coach, um, 
the coach Haas is very good uh, because he hasn't been very good for the previous seven years. Um, and like if he was going to be good uh, with, the, you know, because like Stanford's a known quantity, right? Like if, yeah. you know, it's not like anything has changed for Stanford. Like if he was going to be good, he would have been good four years ago or five years ago or, you know, three years ago or two years ago. And he hasn't been. And so they're going to continue to be bad with the same inputs. Like that's my take. Do you think I'm wrong about any of that? No, even if Stanford was going to try to be better, the the college game has changed and their academic requirements are not in their favor. So, so they can't do what every other successful coach has to do, um, you know, in virtually any sport, and that's make prodigious use of the transfer portal. Yeah. Um, well, as you said, make- as you said many times before, that. Um, it's pretty hard to meet Stanford's academic requirements. And, you know, 20, 40 years ago, um, you know, Stanford was prodigious and they could pull in whoever they wanted for recruits um, that were able to, to pass those academic standards. I think but it's a little they, more like nuanced than that. I think it's more like, you know, as some of their recruits this year have demonstrated, like they can pull in really high caliber recruits because like, how do you say no to Stanford? You know, as you say yeah. in, in your article, the problem is like, it takes a couple of years to develop guys and they got to make bets on dudes. And if they don't work out, the safety net that everybody else has, which is going to the, you know, processing them out and then going to the transfer portal. Like they don't have that safety net. They got to ride or die with the dudes that they brought in. And it just looks like Cass is not a very good, like evaluator or developer or utilizer of talent. And so if you're stuck with the talent that you got and you're not good at doing that, like, well, that's how you finish 10th. Uh, in the conference, even though your stats are sort of identical to the rest of the conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and this season's kind of do or die for Stanford, and much the same way that it, it is for the Cougars. Um, they I mean, I also, don't think anybody's like any conference is picking up or failing to pick up, you know, the Cardinal based on their having a great basketball performance in 2023-24. Yeah, but the, the unknowns can be killer. So, you know, it Stanford uh, and Cal. I don't really think that Stanford to... is recruiting well or not recruiting well for their basketball team based on what conference they land in. I think their recruiting is dependent on the fact that they can hand out a diploma that says Stanford University on it. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And yet they're, you know, the, the unknowns can, can really hurt you. So, uh, you know, it's up to Stanford, Cal, and Wazoo, and uh, Oregon State to kind of figure out um, what the future holds. Because it, it, you know, if we're going into the end of the season and transfer portal season and recruiting season, and they don't know that that's going to hurt all of them, and that's going to be kind of regardless of the. Uh, I think yeah. Stanford's in the best position because, as you say, uh, they, they sort of agree with a lot you know, of weight. Like, but, uh, but still, uh, unknowns can be a factor. All right, let's take a break. Uh, we come back. We'll talk about Pac-12 women's basketball teams. Uh, 
Okay, you've written uh, four previews since last time we talked. Uh, let's start out with uh, USC women's basketball. Um, I think this team should have been better. Uh, don't you? Yeah. I mean, they have I no mean... reason not to have better talent at this school. And yet, Coach Gottlieb, I don't really think has been doing, like, it had been sort of a middle-of-the-pack program. And, like, USC ought to be top a top women's basketball team. And well, they haven't been. Gottlieb in- inherited a uh, a faltering USC um, Trojans team. And that's why USC picked her up because she had done really well over at California and was getting California you know, to postseason play uh, regularly. Mm-hmm. So that's in part what USC is hoping for. I mean, in between she was, she went to the Cleveland Cavaliers. She was the first, uh, you know, uh, you know, female, uh, uh, coach, you know, in the NBA, which is awesome, you know, and then USC picked her up, which was, you know, it was great. It was like a headline, you know, making news, you know, and she's been with the program, you know, now for two years and, and, and like post COVID, you know, doesn't have COVID as an excuse. And it's sort of like, where's the wins? You know, they were a five and 12 in the pack 12, you know, in, 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 in her first year and then 11 and seven, you know, last year. And like with the talent, they should be able to pull, like, this should be like, you know, like closer to like a 19 win, you know, team, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I think some of that has to do with um, the rebuilding effort that um, Gottlieb was faced with. Um, they did make some some gains last season in terms of Pac-12 placement and their record. Um, you know, their, their record last year wasn't horrible. They, they uh, had over 20 wins for the season. Yeah, so because the Pac-12 was terrible at women's basketball last <laughs> yeah, year. Yeah, but it looks good on paper. You um, know what looks terrible on paper is they're shooting from the floor. They shot 38% from the floor, which is just miserable. Like... If you're shooting 38% from the floor and winning 11 Pac-12 games, what that really tells you is the Pac-12 just sucked last year. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, also, as I mentioned in, in my article, they um, they played good defense, which is that, – that was a hallmark of uh, Gottlieb's – I mean, did they play Cal good teams. defense or did the Pac-12 suck last year? Well, I mean, they, they also played good defense in the uh, – non-conference portion okay uh, okay season um so i mean you're right you're right uh, they were turning the ball over they were getting defensive rebounds yeah there there are other stats that demonstrate they were good at defense i jumped down your throat i I shouldn't (laughs) it's okay (laughs) um but the uh the task for usc is to increase their offensive uh, productivity for Mm -hmm. sure and, um, and yeah, you know, I'm not sure based on, um, who's leaving and who they're bringing on board, if that will be the case with the exception of the fact that they signed the number one player in the country for this upcoming season. And, um, 
and you know you're you're not the the number one recruit for no reason um i i think that has the potential to add a lot to usc's play uh next season well i think they lost yeah yeah, yeah. no i mean it's definitely you know incredible like you know uh they're finally you know pulling in the talent that i was sort of expecting them to um it's just a question of like how quickly they can like you know translate that because like they're losing their top two scorers right cisco and Mm -hmm. littleton they're losing another one of their starters um akaka attica um they're losing two of their more used bench players um uh, mira and dombia right Mm -hmm. yes um i think they only return I think they returned two of their starters, uh, uh, Raya Marshall and, um, uh, oh, Williams, Uh, Kayla Williams. Right. Um, but like Marshall and Williams were not big scorers for them. I mean, I mean, Marshall, I I think Marshall scored like what? 12.7 points per game, but like Williams was barely a scorer. Uh, So it's like they don't really, you know, they, they have like two two starters. They have a bunch of folks transferred out, like Bella Perkins transferred out, Madison Campbell transferred or, or medically retired. Um, uh, so some bench players, you know, also leave. Right. So like they're it's not quite starting from scratch, but like they don't have like they, they were a poor shooting team last year and they lost, you know, most of the players who could shoot, you know, of that team. Um so it's sort of like, yeah, not, not quite starting from scratch, but like they're, you know, they might as well be, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, they're, they're in rebuild mode for sure. Um, and uh, I think Gottlieb has done uh, a, a few good things to try to address that. Um, not only um, did they bring in Juju Watkins that, the, the number one recruit right. that we were talking about. But um, there's a, a solid transfer um, in Kayla Padilla, mm-hmm. who, who's a, also a, another guard that um, shoots reasonably well, you know, over 41% from the field and uh, 85% from the charity stripe. Um, and... Caitlin Davis is also a, a transfer guard, a, a graduate transfer. So, you know, she's fifth year and at, at Columbia uh, averaged over, you know, 28 minutes uh, per game. So, you know, she saw a significant play time and shot 51% from the field. So some of that will supplement what they're losing offensively. And I guess the, the question is uh, to what extent does that supplement and how does, how do some of these transfers uh, stack up in, I mean, you're not done with the transfers. They brought in like, I think like six transfers. Yeah. Right. I I mean, like 
for so it's Juju Watkins, the freshman. There's a, another freshman too, uh, Malia Samuels from from the state of Washington, who's like a three A champ. Um, mm-hmm. Although, like, I don't know how good three A is in Washington, frankly. Um, yeah. uh, but like, you know, uh, yeah. But the the rest of them are transfers, and it's a ton of them. So like. You know, there's it, it's Mackenzie Forbes, uh, Kayla Padilla, um, uh, 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 the uh, Caitlin Davis from Columbia. There's Dominique Onu from UCLA, although she couldn't play last year. Um, there's a uh, uh, Roxanne McColo um, um, from TCU, uh, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like it's a ton of transfers. Um, uh, and other than Onu, like they all have pretty extensive playing experience. So that's why I was saying like, you know, the re- it's not quite starting from scratch, you know, having lost, you know, Sissico and Littleton, you know, and uh, Adika, like, and just bringing back Marshall and Williams, but like they might as well be. And frankly, like they might want to just bench Marshall and Williams. Cause it's like, it's not like they were really, you know, contributing a ton. Like this might be the all freshman and transfer team, you know, just like Lincoln Riley's football team, you know, yeah. like I, I like, I kind of have an inkling. That's what USC's women basketball team is going to do be, you know, and that's why like, I started out like, you know, talking about coach Gottlieb is like, I don't really think she's gotten it done. The extent that I would have expected her to in her first two years at USC. Like, I don't think her squad has been particularly good these first two years. And like, I kind of think that's kind of my guess. I think she might just want to flush, you know, the, the, the first two year record, you know, put it all behind her and just go with like kind of a, a brand new squad, you know, in 2023, 2024. What do you think about that? Well, um, I think she's going to um, straddle the fence on that to the extent that she can. Um, you know, USC is a prestigious program like Stanford, and so the the degree does mean something to the ladies, and. And we'll see, we'll see there, you know, there, as you say, there's, there's pieces with the, they're coming from the uh, transfer portal that are, that are questionable. You know, I mean, you get Onu from UCLA, but she's uh, injury prone and mm-hmm. it just have no idea if she's going to be a factor at all, even off the bench. Was an injury with a reason why she couldn't play last year? I thought it was, I thought it was something having to do with her transfer. Oh, no, I, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I, I meant uh, McCullough. Okay. Yeah, uh, McCullough uh, missed because of, of injury. No, right, right. Uh, Onu didn't um, didn't play much last year because uh, having transferred in January, you know, she wasn't eligible yeah, to, yeah, yeah. to play. But, but she should be a, a relatively solid piece. Now it's, um, it's one of those things where, you know, I think this coming season for USC, we're going to find out it just how good a coach Gottlieb is. Yeah. Um, Because she has the, the pieces to improve. um, But can USC improve? I mean, it's, it's an open question. 
All right, let's switch over and talk about Arizona. Uh, the next uh, piece that you wrote, kind of a little bit delayed, <laughs> waiting for some responses from a sister site that never really were forthcoming. It was kind of crazy. Um, Arizona had a fairly good year last year. Um, they, uh, under Coach Barnes, um, they were the four seed in the tournament. Uh, they lost to UCLA. Um, they made it to the uh, NCAA. Um, uh, they lost in the second round to Maryland, which actually, you know, pretty good team. Um, they, uh, I, they were a pretty senior laden team. Um, and, uh, you know, they, uh, my opinion though, having watched Arizona basketball, a couple of, uh, you know, se- several games, I didn't actually think this was a really great team. I sort of thought that they were a bit of a mirage that was sort of propped up by number one, uh, the, how bad the PAC 12 was number two, um, that like they had this really, um, like all their, all, all of their toughest games were at home and they get the McHale effect, um, where, you know, they have the livest crowd in the Pac-12 and the calls all go their way. Um, and, and like, I wasn't really surprised that they got smashed when they play real teams. Um, that that was sort of my take on them. Um, and so then they lose everybody at the end of this year, right? Like they lose, you know, like they're, uh, uh, with the exception of uh, Esmeri Martinez, you know, they, they lose uh, 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 Clark and Connor and Fields and uh, Hilton um and where right which is basically like everybody you know from that squad right mm-hmm. yeah uh if there was uh, a team and maybe even in all of women's basketball that benefited from the so-called home court advantage it, it was arizona they won they won the vast majority of their games uh, well i should say their winning percentage at home was significantly higher than on the road. Yeah. And they, they had the highest average uh, attendance for yeah. women's basketball in the PAC 12. So uh, that, that was, and will probably continue to be a, a tough environment to play in for visiting teams. Yeah. But, I mean, what but else you're you right. It, it, if you can't translate that into uh, away games or, or neutral sites, then you're going to falter and uh, that's where they faltered. Well, I do like the, the way that, that coach Barnes is building the program. Cause she's like, she's, you know, she's kind of got to start over, you know, she, like I said, they're, they're only bringing back, um, Esmeri Martinez, you know, as you point out in your article. Um, mm-hmm. but as you also point out in your article, like she did a great job of recruiting and like, she's really building it up with freshmen. Um, uh, so they got, why don't you run through the, the freshmen that she got? Um, well, with the freshmen, um, they brought in, um, uh, one of the freshmen that they brought in, um, uh, Montaya do is going to be out that for sucks. the season because of a, a leg injury. Yeah. And, and that is, that is too bad. Um, uh, would have been worthwhile to, uh, to see her. Um, they bring in a point guard, Jada Williams, who was an All-American and a, a McDonald's All-American, a Slam All-American. And so, you know, we're talking a, a highly rated point guard um, that, you know, looks to be a, a solid addition for the future of Wildcats basketball. They bring a, a four-star uh, six-foot guard. In Skylar Jones, 
and uh, same thing. Yep, that's a really solid recruit. And then they bring another uh, McDonald's All American, uh, six foot four forward, Abrea Cunningham. And um, yeah, you can't go wrong with bringing it. Uh, having three highly rated freshmen to work from. Um, you know, I mean, the, the coach did uh, an excellent job of, of, you know, of recruiting. And when I was uh, talking to Kim Doss uh, before the start of last season, and Kim Doss is our uh, sister site, soon to be non, not sister site at AZ Desert Swarm, you know, she had mentioned that uh, one of Barnes's strengths is recruiting. And mm-hmm. that's certainly evident with the incoming class into 2023. Yeah, definitely. And then uh, got a couple transfers too. Yeah, um, one of the transfers was a, a forward from West Virginia, uh, Isis Bay. Um, she played in 27 games. She was not a, a starter for West Virginia. Um, she was a, a bench player that, you know, played about 10 minutes a game. Um, but yeah, her stats don't really, uh, you know, jump off the table at you. Sure. She, uh, uh, she shot, uh, 52%, but that was only on 67 attempts. And, you know, what you see from, uh, players who are, um, major players with a, a lot of minutes is you see, um, maybe two, even three times that number of, of attempts. So, you know, she wasn't really a factor. She doesn't shoot threes and she only plays, uh, she only shoots 50% at, at the uh, charity stripe. Yeah. So she she's just a, a depth transfer. Uh, another one is Sally uh, Kuroma. And she is also uh, something of... Uh, a depth player, I suspect. She comes from the Ohio Valley Conference in Little Rock. And, you know, even though she started uh, 11 of the 20 games that she played and has a you know pretty good number of minutes, um, it she only shot 41% and 66% from the line, you know, uh, when when a player is shooting only getting only two thirds of their free throws in, that's yeah. uh, not saying a whole lot to me, and it also doesn't say a whole lot to me that that you can shoot forty percent in a in a conference like Ohio Valley. Yeah. So, and I mean, so we'll the see. same thing is true of like the other two as well. You know, Courtney Blakely from Middle Tennessee, who's shooting 43% and only like 28% mm-hmm. from three, you know, and, and only started 10 games. And, and uh, Gosma, um, uh from South Georgia Tech, not Georgia Tech proper. Uh, <laughs> 
uh, you know, who, who, you know, doesn't shoot from the, you know, from the three ball, uh, and, you know, you know, only was getting 17 minutes a game, you know, uh, in, in whatever, like division three or, you know, and it's like, you know, so she got four transfers, but all of them look like depth pieces to me. Like none of them looks like she brought the, you know, coach Barnes brought, you know, those players in to be starters. Like they, they don't, like I could be wrong about that. They it could be the you know the the that's a diamond in the rough that you know she she watched their film and was just like oh my god you know this this player is this underrated you know treasure that no one's seen like who knows that could be the case but like I kind of doubt it like I, it looks like all four of those were depth transfers and that you know even though she's losing like you know basically all of her starters with the exception of one I really think that what she's gonna do is that you know, the composition of her you know of her floor play next year is going to be the returning starter Martinez uh the three freshmen that she recruited I think she was planning on the fourth freshman but then uh uh but then she had to have surgery you know unfortunately um uh and then you know probably one of the bench players from last year um and like you know I I think she's gonna basically roll with her own recruiting and development um and that the transfers were just for like building up depth um you know, and, and having some, some experience instead of just, you know, freshmen, um, and, and, and less experienced bench players, like, which is interesting. It's like, not really how almost all of the teams that we've talked about have done it. Like she's sort of doing all of this in house or so it would appear, doesn't it? You know, doesn't, don't you get that impression from, from this roster management? Yeah. And I kind of, uh, alluded to such in my article, uh, I really think that that how well the Wildcats do or do not do next season is going to ride on these freshmen that have been brought in. No, definitely. And yeah, because I I, I really don't see the the kind of productivity that Arizona has lost coming from other players. Right? I just don't. Well, yeah, it's it's highly unlikely that it does. Um, I mean, they're very talented freshmen. I mean, she's basically betting on her her talent evaluation and her you know quick development um, and, and like the bench players that we didn't you know we didn't see a ton of you know last year, but like she's been working with them for all this time, right? Because Coach Barnes has been in in place you know in her job for a while. So like, you know, she knows them better than most like, and she's a good coach, you know, she's been, you know, Arizona has been, you know, at, at the top end of the PAC 12 for, for basically the entire time she's been there. So like, you know, if anybody deserves the benefit of the doubt for like, when she says I developed this player into a good player, like, you know, she deserves the benefit of the doubt on that. Like, yeah, it's really interesting that, you know, in this era of the transfer portal, like that, she's basically said, yeah, I'm going to play freshmen of the players that I developed. And like, even though I lost just about everybody from last year's team i'm gonna reload with my own product um i i mean cool you know yeah cool that she's you know it may not work out in which case we'll we'll you know we'll be right back here next year making fun of her but like i like betting on yourself (laughs) like i'm into that all right let's talk about colorado um uh uh, they made the postseason uh last year uh you think they're making it back next year yeah, I, I really do. They they have a, a postseason track record, 
and uh, they're returning uh, virtually all of their starters and certainly um, all six of their highest scores. They're, they're returning uh, all of their uh, offensive production uh, next season. So uh, I, I don't really see uh, a drop-off. They, they have uh, uh, an outstanding uh, player and uh, an outstanding forward in Quay Williams. Yeah, she comes back. She was averaging 13 points a game last season. And she was the the only starter that played every game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and she's solid. Yeah, through all the games, uh, averaging almost 32 minutes a game, you know, shot 42 from the field, uh, 33% from distance. Yeah, that's about as solid as they get. They also... Uh- they also return uh, three of their other uh, starters that all shot double digit averages per game. Um, yeah, this could be a, a solid Colorado team again next season. Yeah, sort of just like we had talked about with like teams like Utah and Wazoo on the women's side um, in a previous podcast where it's like these are not, you know, the most talented, you know, like we're not talking about like five star McDonald's All-Americans, you know, that they brought in, but they have been with the coach for a while. Um, They performed very well last year and then they're bringing back everybody. So like, how can you predict otherwise? You know, the only reason why you might think that there'd be a fall off is if you thought that the that. Let me see if I can articulate this correctly. <laughs> the only reason that you would predict a fall off for this program, given that they performed well last year and they're bringing back everybody, including the coach, is that uh, you thought they were a fraud last year. And the reason that you would think they were a fraud last year was because the conference sucked so bad last year. And if the conference doesn't suck this coming year, then if it's the same program, but they're playing against better opponents, then, you know, that they would, you know, comparatively, uh, you know, perform less well. But I don't really think that that's going to happen. First of all, I don't really think the conference is going to be that much better. I think maybe a couple of teams might be a little bit better, but, you know, I, I don't I don't know about that much better. And number two is, you know, it's not like they didn't beat Duke, you know, and like they played Iowa right. pretty tough, you know, in the tournament. Like, I don't think this team was an illusion, right? Like, I, I think they yeah. were actually just straight up good. And they were were good as like juniors and now they're going to be seniors you know like yeah you know i think this team is just straight up for real um and their their performance in the ncaa tournament is it is probably about as much proof as you need that that their uh success and their ability is not illusory yeah because they did defeat a number three duke team and uh, lost against a, a finals run, runner up in, yeah. in Iowa that was projected to go all the way. They, they were upset by LSU. So the, the only thing that I'll say about them is that like the, the, the other thing that I'll say about them is that like, it's definitely like sort of a, a gritty defense led team. Like their scoring is not super impressive. Um, in fact, their shooting is like from the floor is straight up bad. It's like, you know, 43 and a half percent. Um, mm-hmm. But it's like they just grind you down, you know, and uh, 
and so in their losses, when you, you know, when you pull up their losses, the way that they lose, they just run into a hot shooting team that they just can't defensively shut down enough. And then they just like they can't compete with them scoring wise, you know, like if they get into a shootout, they're going to lose the shootout. Um, and and it's like that's what I was interested in to see if they had added any like, hey, is that is that player a scorer? Do you think they did? Um. Well, uh, I don't think so. Yeah, the, I don't think um, so either. Yeah, and I, I, I think they're the players that they added um, are either you know recruits or it you know looks to me like they're adding depth and bench players. And yeah, they're, I they're agree. Be it's it's, Sarah, it's on- Sarah Rose Smith from uh, from Michigan and. Uh, and uh, the the uh, uh, the Mizzou player, right? The um, or, or Maddie Nolan from Michigan, and and and, uh, and, and the Mizzou player, or yeah, yeah Sarah Rose Smith from Sarah from Smith. Mizzou, and, and Maddie yeah. Nolan from Michigan. Sorry, I get their schools mixed up because they both start with M I. Um, uh, yeah, who are both like they're they're like under ten points per game scorers. They're not like you know you know killers at the at the rim, you know. Yeah, they're they're solid bench players and and they'll provide rest for the Colorado starters or you know could be a starter if somebody gets injured. You know, hope that's never the case, but I think Colorado's looking at this as a okay, this isn't broken so we won't try to fix it. Kind of a problem. Yeah, but I do think they had a limitation in terms of yep. like, you know, their limitation was that, that, you know, they couldn't outscore you if they needed to. And like, I don't think they've really like addressed that limitation. They just tried to like, yeah, you, yeah, they just, I think they just sort of viewed this coming season as a continuation of last year in which they did really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but like. Yeah, so they're probably going to do exactly, you know, as well. And it's just going to be a function of like, does the turn, does the conference around them get any better? Open question. Uh, How many and how many teams do they play who have the capability of penetrating their defense and scoring points and forcing them to score points to keep up with them? Because maybe they can't do that. I don't know how many teams such teams that they play. They probably won't face very many of them until the postseason. So probably not a big deal. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. In in the scheme of uh, Buffalo's athletics, it's yeah. Uh, again, it's one of those things where uh, I uh, I don't think that they think they have broken pieces and need to fix anything. I mean, I think if you're shooting 43% that you do, like, yeah. I think if you're shooting 43% in a league that's this bad at defense that, like, you do have a problem because it means you can't find the bucket. Um, yeah, and I, I would be far more skeptical about Colorado were it not for their postseason performance well sure but like you know defense wins championships like you know yeah you can defensively squeeze out teams but like you're not like when you play elite teams without much of an offense like you will eventually run into a team that you need to outscore like there's no such thing as a team that goes all the way that's not a complete team and i don't care what game you're you're, you know sport you're talking about like you need to be a full spectrum team um and when i you know 
when I pull up a basketball team and I see 43% shooting from the floor, I do not see national champion. Yeah. Like, and, and when I sure. see roster management that basically says, well, I had a problem last year and I didn't bother to fix it. Like, well, I comment on that. All right. Let's talk about UCLA. All right. Uh, this is the team that ought to be winning the conference. They didn't. Um, why? Well, um, in three letters, it'd be WSU, but they, um, they were, uh, really solid. And I, I guess you can have, um, a, a bad game and, um, and, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's part of what was going on and part of, yeah, what you have talked about in that yeah, the Pac-12 last season maybe isn't everything it, it could have been and, and should have been. Um, UCLA was uh, seeded fifth mm-hmm. in in the Pac-12 tournament. They were they were part of that the four team field that tied for fourth, mm-hmm. and um, whereas they did beat Stanford and, and got to the championship game at the PAC 12 tournament. They, they lost to the Cougars and, you know, whatever magical pills the Cougars were taking. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I would not have bet on the Cougars winning the PAC 12 tournament last season. And uh, I would have lost money. Would have lost serious money. Probably said that before. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have answered with three letters. I would have answered with three numbers, and those numbers are thirty nine point four, um, which is their shooting percentage from the floor. Like, yes. you know, I just finished making you know fun of Colorado for not fixing their shooting problem. Like UCLA was worse, like way worse in terms of being, you know, a defense only team. Um, now they were great defensively. Uh, like, and it let them win a lot of games, but like they couldn't find the bucket with both hands on a flashlight. Like it was bad. Um, they were decent from three point range, which is actually like, was pretty important to, to keeping them, in, you know, uh, in a lot of games. Cause they could sort of like assassinate you from, you know, they, they'd play great defense. They'd get a break. They'd shoot, they, you know, run down the floor, hit a three point bucket. And that was sort of like devastating to you psychologically. But like, if they force you to play in the paint, like, I mean, it was often comical watching UCLA try to score like a normal bucket, like a normal basketball team, you know? Yeah. And, um, like the Buffaloes, uh, I, I think defense is what got them into the sweet 16. I mean, they, they lost to South Carolina, but yeah, maybe it's one of those things where, uh, that's the limitations of what defense without uh, uh, supporting offensive productivity will get you is yeah. the, the sweet 16. And yeah, maybe you've uh, kind of hit the ceiling with that. Um, we'll find out with UCLA cause they return uh, virtually everybody. Oh Yeah. 
And uh, I mean, they, they only lost Gina Conte, who was a um, uh, fifth year senior last mm-hmm. season. Um, wasn't responsible for a whole lot of uh, offensive productivity. Um, in fact, um, yeah, there was only uh, two players that, that managed to scratch above double digits. Yeah. In, in average points per game. That was, yeah, uh, was Chris Miller. Like I said, it was comical watching him try to score. Like it was just like yeah. nobody else could score, you know? Yeah. So that's good. Um, when you're talking about the, the numbers of players that are returning and uh, UCLA is returning all, but uh, three players, uh, yeah, and like it, one of them, Dominique Onu, we already talked about. She didn't play, so yeah, you know, no, no effect there. Yeah, um, you know, it remains to be seen if they're um, going to be able to improve their uh, offensive productivity. They just might be, uh, they might be in high altitude and well, not not able to go higher. Well, I don't know. Like they're the story of the season was the transfer that they got, which was Lauren Betts from Stanford. Right. Like, you know, we, when we talked about Stanford that like the, the, uh, um, you know, that, that, you know, the, the, one of the, the scary things for Tara Vandeveer, you know, in Stanford, sort of a general is that it's like a reverse lobster trap, you know, where like, you know, players can leave through the transfer portal, but they can't come in. And so right. like, you know, so when they had like that really high profile loss of like Lauren Betts, like it was really scary for Stanford. Well, like it's a really big get for, for UCLA because unlike Colorado, which was just making fun of them for not doing anything about their scoring problem, like Lauren Betts shoots 60% from the field. Uh, now Stanford doesn't let her shoot very often cause she's a center and, and I don't know why that is like, but you know, the uh, way that UCLA words, Cameron Brink. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. Because Stanford's got scorers, right? Like on the other hand, the way that UCLA plays basketball, they could really use a center that they constantly dish the ball to. And that she just posts up like, I mean, I could definitely see her, you know, putting down 16, 18 points a game because like the way that UCLA pays plays basketball they could just feed her and like she could almost single-handedly fix their scoring problem yeah and for the listeners that don't know i mean lauren betts is tall she's six seven yeah and ucl is a short team that was the other thing like yeah that's they were a defensive team that just like did not like i think their tallest player was five eight (laughs) yeah and um so uh that's an example of you know really using the transfer portal yeah. to fill in a, a needed piece. And uh, if you, if UCLA is going to improve, um, they needed somebody like Lauren Betts, which was exactly the kind of player that the Buffaloes did not pick up and probably could not pick up. Oh, that's, oh, sorry. That's not true. They had a couple of five eleven players and they had one six, four starter, but other than that, yeah, no, it's like, it's like five nine, five eleven, five nine, five eleven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a short they're, team. They're yeah, it's, and then they have six seven Lauren Betts coming in. 
to be their center who's just going to post up. Yeah, she's going to put up like 15 points a game. And I'm not like not single handedly. That was an exaggeration. But like the way that UCLA plays basketball. Yeah, this was to- a total get for UCLA. Yeah, it, it was. It, it was a, a solid hit out of the park. And uh, if if UCLA uh, goes deeper into postseason play, uh, you can you can bet and pun intended mm. that <laughs> Lauren was a, a critical component of that. All right, let's take a break. Uh, we come back. We'll talk about uh, Big Ten women's basketball. All right, let's uh, finish up this podcast talking about you wrote a big article uh, in which you just uh, but it was a survey of the, you know, all the different uh, Big Ten women's basketball teams. Uh, There are 14 of them. Let's run through them. Uh, 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 You want to do an alphabetical order or you want to do it? Let's start. Let's start with Iowa. Uh, You know, they were the headline maker. What did you think about Iowa? Um, I thought Iowa was, uh, I don't want to say that I was a, a surprise. Um, the thing about, uh, big 10 women's basketball is that the teams in the, uh, upper echelon, and we're talking Michigan, Ohio state, Maryland, Iowa, and, uh, and Indiana, they, they almost always reach NCAA play. And uh, I think you know, top to bottom, the uh, the Big Ten is probably uh, a better conference than the Pac-12. And teams like uh, USC and Oregon, uh, UCLA, uh, Washington, uh, um, they're going to have their jobs cut out for them because the competition is there. Uh, I think it's a big fat lie. I think, uh, I think big 10, uh, uh, in every sport that I've ever examined them at it, you know, tends to have fairly mediocre talent and, uh, they just get more television exposure. Yeah, it, it could be, um, like people stay up and watch their games and they get like a four to five rank rating boost. Uh, and it's pretty, you know, well documented through Ken Palm and other like analytical tools that like, they just, they make the tournament, you know, at, at lower, at lower advanced, uh, statistical rankings, uh, and, and, and teams that are from the PAC 12 that are better than their, than they are, uh, you know, get left out. Mm. Well, um, perhaps, but, um, they did have, uh, several teams last season that, you know, uh, Iowa made it to the, uh, to the championship. There's a couple of other teams that made it to the elite eight. So, uh, I mean, you can't make it if I, you don't, if you're not in, uh, and, and yeah. last year is an anomaly because Pac-12 basketball sucked. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but Iowa, uh, Iowa, did make it to the championship game. They were not, they were seeded number two in the um, big 10 conference because uh, Purdue had, uh, I'm sorry, Indiana had a better um, conference record, but um, uh, Iowa um, 
was one of the favorites to win it all. And they were uh, upset in the championship game by a, a very spunky LSU team. Yeah, yeah, spunky. That's how we're going to interpret the national <laughs> headlines about that. Yeah, spunky. Good. Uh, yeah, Indiana, uh, Terry Morin's squad uh, was the number one seed. They got upset by Miami uh, in the tournament. Um you know, the, the rest of the top tier, the, the big 10 Maryland, um, which I, I think a lot of, you know, fans m- might find surprising, but like, yeah, they've actually, um, uh, you know, Brenda Freese has been there for a long time, right? Like 20 yeah, years. 20 years. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and like every year takes them to the tournament, which like, if you're looking for a Atlantic coast bias, there you go. Um, cause like they usually have, you know, they, they usually lose a bunch of out-of-conference games, and then they do well uh, in conference, and then, you know, that gets them to the tournament because, you know, what I said. Uh, <laughs> Ohio State, yeah. uh, um, which I actually think is a fairly, you know, talented team, but they had like a, um, a kind of um, – they had a funky year last year. Like they, ha- they got upset a bunch. Um, uh, um, uh, but then they, you know, they made it to the postseason and and, and did uh, fairly well, right? Um, yeah, they uh, they made it to the elite eight um, and only lost to a, a number one seed. So, yeah. yeah, that that's a respectable postseason finish, and there's no reason to believe that uh, Kevin McGuff, who's their coach, is not going to be in the uh, think of postseason play next year, and then next year you've got uh, like Michigan, Illinois, Purdue. Um, you know, pretty solid teams. You know that they they have a winning record, but only by a couple of games uh, in the Big Ten. Um, uh, you know, decent recruiting, but not like top level. Um, uh, Michigan's fallen off a little bit uh, uh, in, in recent years. They should probably be in the top tier. Uh, what do you think is going on there? Um, I don't know. I I didn't take uh, a close enough look uh, at at the mechanics of these teams. You know, instead, I, I chose to uh, go from um, my the the standpoint of well, uh, I don't know anything about these teams, and I don't. Mm. So so where do I start? Um, uh, coach, Coach Erico is a, is a solid coach, and I mean she's taken Michigan. She's been there forever, right? Is like 12, 12 year twelve for her in yeah. twelve season. It gets into the postseason every season, and yeah, because she's in the Big Ten. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The um, they mediocre made the, records, but getting in the postseason every time, huh? That sounds like a pattern. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, how Oregon does in, in, uh, uh, an overrated league. <laughs> uh, and then sort of next year down, you got, um, uh, y- you've got Nebraska, uh, the, the king of the, the overrated teams, uh, you know, Michigan state, um, uh, the Badgers, you know, Wisconsin, um, uh, you know, Rutgers, you know, teams that are like, you know, losing records. Um, 
and, and then teams that are, you know, and, and then sort of the, you know, now you're really getting into the, like the, the seller of it, you, you know, uh, and maybe teams that might surprise you are really in the seller are teams like, uh, Penn state and Minnesota and Northwestern, um, you know, like the bottom end of the big 10 just sucks. Uh, uh, right. Like, you know, mm-hmm. so, so, you know, l- 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 let me do that again. So Nebraska, uh, n- uh, ne- Nebraska, Michigan State, and Wisconsin. Like you've got that tier, which are like below average. You know, they're they have losing records, but only by a couple of games. You know, uh, so like you know, you you got to play them, but you'll you'll win. Um, that then then you've got bad teams. Uh, you know, Rutgers and Penn State. Um, and and Minnesota. Um, who are like, I mean, they're bad. You know, they win like four conference games bad, you know, and, and then you've got like, uh, like, oh, my God, like, are you kidding me? Terrible teams, Minnesota and Northwestern, who like, how how did they, sh- you know, like they might as well not show up, you know, um, and like, it's not like they don't play basketball in the Midwest, you know, like they have tall p- people who live there, you know, like, but like they're you know, like they're, they're collecting a paycheck and, and, and going to play golf, I guess. Like, yeah, there's a bunch of free wins in the big 10, like, you know, like the bottom, you know, half, it's not like, oh my God, this is a conference that win that goes the, the, the tournament every year. Like there's not a free, you know, there's a bunch of truck stops to quote a guy about a thing. Like there's a lot of truck stops, you know, is, is the conclusion that I got from your uh, preview article. Do you think I'm, I'm, I'm wrong or Bill Walton's wrong about that? no. And, um, but it is surprising that a team like Northwestern, um, who in the COVID year of 2019 and 2020 was 26 and four, uh, like I, I said in my uh, overview, they were likely to be a high seed. Yet mm-hmm. you come out of the pandemic and you got nothing. <clears throat> and yeah, that's just, uh, I can't quite wrap my head around why that would be. Um, yeah, I can. But, the but pandemic they, happened. Like things they, were upside uh, down. Oregon got denied a national championship. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we won't. We won't talk about. I'll, I'll talk about the goat all all day long. Uh, all right. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's wrap it up there. Uh, it's been fun talking basketball uh, with you. Um, next week we'll we'll come back and and we'll talk about football because uh, football is right around the corner, man. Um, yeah. Get to real sports. No, nah, come on. That's not, that's not <laughs> no, I, I I love Ducks women's basketball and that it, it should show. Uh, yeah. And we're all hoping for a better season than last year, too. Uh, and and the Pac-12, as I said all year last year, the Pac-12 is ripe for the taking. And it would sure be nice if, if Oregon uh, did so in basically the last year of its existence. All right. Uh, uh, let's let's end it there. Uh, you got any parting words of wisdom for us, Badwater? Yeah, go Ducks. Uh, uh, two days ago was soccer, um, which uh, I have an article about out there on, and I guess all three of my readers commented on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, tonight, I, I'll cover the uh, exhibition game in women's volleyball. And it, even if you don't really like soccer or women's volleyball, you know that football is right around the corner. Yeah, they're, so the good. soccer team's going out to next week. They're going out to uh, Arkansas and Missouri 
uh, or Missouri State um, uh, to play, you know, big road trips, which uh, you're apparently very excited uh, to cover. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure I would want to be in the the muggy, with excitement part of the country um, <laughs> during late August. Uh, it's kind of uh, humid and unpleasant there, uh, whereas it's you know, su- sunny and and lovely and 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 dry here in the Northwest. Um, but it never rains on this podcast. <laughs>